Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We went riding around. And I went down the old streets that I used to go out and preach because I was like one of those street preachers. And when I first got saved, I was like a Jesus freak. I was scary back then. I was scary. And I would, I would get all dressed up on Friday night. And Elvira, my wife, she'd be like, where are you going? I'm going, going out to preach. So I used to go down on the street corner, and I was one of those preachers who'd be screaming at folks when they walking by. <laughs> I did. I, people would be walking by, and they'd be like, hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. I want to tell you about Jesus. And the people are running. And I, I was wondering why everybody was walking on that side of the street. And uh, I finally got it. And uh, I was one of those kind of people. I just wanted to tell everybody that I knew about Jesus. I love to share the gospel. And I love to share the gospel on an airplane. And the reason is on an airplane, you have a captive audience. Love to share 35,000 feet in the air. You ain't going nowhere. So the person sitting next to me, I usually, you know, I, you know, I wonder, I just try to figure out ways to share the gospel. So generally I take my Bible out and I use my Bible for bait. And uh, yeah, I do. I use my Bible for bait. So I'll take my Bible out and I'll just be sitting there, you know. And, you know, you look over at the person sitting next to you and I'm like, hey, how you doing? Read my Bible. You know, you just keep trying to get their attention, you know. Hopefully maybe they'll say, hey, what you're reading there? But if they don't, well, then it's going to be awkward. Because if they don't, I will just jump right in there. I'll, they'll be talking about something they do in life, and I'll just say, hey, do, you know, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? So I like to share the gospel. And, and, and one time this guy, I will never, never forget this. This one guy told me, he said, I said, are you a Christian? And he told me that he was not sure that there was a God, that he thought he was an atheist. He said, I'm an atheist. I said, you're an atheist. I don't understand. What does that mean? He goes, atheist. And he, we were talking. He knew I was a preacher. So he says, you're atheist. You understand the word atheist? I went, yes, I do. I understand what the word atheist means. I understand by definition, atheist means A without, theist means God, without God. But I don't understand what you mean when you say that you're an atheist because I don't believe there's an atheist on earth. Because everybody, listen, has a God. Are you listening to me? Everyone has a God. You serve something or someone. Everybody has a God. I think it was Bob Dylan that said, everybody going to serve somebody. Everybody has a God. Now, my God, I choose to worship Jesus Christ because he is a one true and only God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. I choose to worship. Everybody has a God. Then you're going to worship something. Some people worship sex, drugs, rock and roll, Elvis. They still got sightings of Elvis. Leave that man alone. Michael Jackson. 
Now, don't misunderstand me. Michael Jackson was awesome. I love Michael Jackson. But I can tell you this here. I'm not into worshiping any man. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ is the only one. Anybody, can I get a witness? Is the only one worthy of our praise and worthy of work. Michael Jackson was great. I love that. Ben, the two of us need look no more. Looking for. I'm sorry, y'all pray for me. Don't judge me, pray for me. <laughs> but no, 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 I'm not in the worship. So everybody has a God. Listen to this story. Listen to this story. This atheist, listen to this. This atheist was walking through the woods admiring all that the accident of evolution had created. And he said, what majestic trees, what powerful rivers, what beautiful animals, he said to himself. Well, as he was walking along the river, he heard a rustling in the bushes behind him. And he turned to look and he saw a seven foot grizzly charged toward him. Well, he ran as fast as he could up the path. He looked over his shoulder and he saw that the bear was closing in on him. He ran even faster, so scared the tears were coming down his eyes. He looked over his shoulder again, and the bear was even closer. His heart was pumping frantically, and he tried to run even faster, and he tripped, and he fell on the ground. And he rolled over and picked himself up, but he saw the bear was right on top of him, reaching for him with his left paw and raising his right paw, ready to strike. And at that instant, the atheist cried out, oh, my God, help me. Well, time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was silent. Even the river stopped moving. A voice came out of the sky. You deny my existence for all these years. Teach others that I don't exist. Am I to count you as a believer? The atheist said, oh, it would be hypocritical of me to suddenly ask you to count me and to treat me as a Christian now. But perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. (laughs) Very well, said the voice. Well, the light went out. The river ran again. The sounds of the forest resumed. And then the bear brought both paws together and bowed his head and said, Lord, for this food of which I'm about to receive, I am thankful. Atheist, really? Listen, there is no a people. When somebody tells you that they're an atheist, that's just an excuse. It's not a reason. It's an excuse. People make excuses and they say there is no God. The Bible says there is a God. Creation says there is a God. Millions of people have said that there is a God. And the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, what saints? There is no God. Psalm 14. Romans chapter 2 tells us that every human being, watch this, you'll love it. Every human being knows there is a God because God has revealed it to their hearts. Creation, listen, tells us there is some supreme power out there that's bigger than you, that's greater than you, that's higher than you. Look at the world. You have got to be ignorant. No, I didn't say ignorant. I said ignorant. And I look at the world and understand that there is a God. Have you ever taken the time to go stand at the ocean in the morning before all them folks get out there trying to get a tan look like me? <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't right. 
It was wrong, I admit. And everybody gets out there, there, you know, you get out there on the, on the water and you stand there and you look at, has anybody ever done this? And that vast ocean, as far as your eye can see, and you think of the, the, the hundreds of thousands and maybe even millions of life in that ocean, and you tell me there's not a God. And the Bible tells us that our God knows the number on the sand of the seashore. Go figure that. We can't even count the grains of sand, but God can because he knows everything. You look at, look at the world. Look at, look, at, look at the mountains. And you tell me there's no God. And you look at the Grand Canyon. And you tell me there is no God. And you look at all the beautiful things that God has created in this world. You can't tell me there is, there's no God. But then not only look at creation, but watch this. But then you look at the order within creation. The order within creation compels us to believe that there is an eternal supreme power and Godhead. So if a person tells you that they are not sure there's a God, listen, that's just an excuse So notice in verse 18, Jesus is saying the feast is prepared. Go ahead and peek at it if you will. The feast is prepared and the invitations are sent to everyone, the high, the low, the rich, the poor, everyone. And the man said, come now, it's ready. But then comes the excuses. You taking notes? Excuse number one, excuse of possessions, I call this. I bought a piece of property and now I got to go see it. I like to call this a lame excuse. I bought a piece of property, now I got to go see it. I mean, think about it. Somebody says, I just bought a house and now I want to go see it. You know, the truth is, think about it like this. This is just the kind of person that heaven is looking for. Because if you can bet your life on something that you have not seen, then you can get saved and go to heaven. Amen? It's true. If you can buy a piece of ground that you've never saw, then you can believe in heaven that you've never seen. Excuse number one, excuse of possessions. Excuse number two, the excuse of money and prosperity. Notice he said, I bought five yoke of oxen and now I have to go test them. That's like saying I bought a John Deere and now I have to go see if it starts up. I bought something that's essential to my business now and I have to see if it works. Again, this is a lame excuse because God is offering to us the riches of the kingdom. And the Bible says in the kingdom, there will be streets made of gold and walls of jasper too. Streets made of, can you imagine that? Streets made of gold. Can you imagine? I can't. The asphalt in heaven will be gold. And somebody once said, there'll be no jackhammers in heaven. Okay, you'll get that when you get home. All right, fine. That means you won't be able to pop it up and take, steal the gold. Okay, whatever. Okay. But it doesn't make sense to want to turn down heaven so you can make money. Excuse number three, are you taking notes? The excuse of relationships. Relationships, I married a wife and I can't come. Now I call this the oldest excuse in the book. Genesis chapter three, Abraham said, it's that woman, or Adam said, it's that woman you gave me. Should I say more? Listen, I won't, but I'll say this. Listen, an invitation to a husband implies you bring your wife with you. 
I come to a feast, I have a wife. Why don't you just bring your wife with you? How much can she eat? <laughs> bring her with you. You know, <laughs> there are people who, who make these kind of excuses. They say, well, Sunday is the only, and we all know people like this. Sunday is the only day that I have with my family. So I don't go to church because Sunday is my only day. Well, how about this? Bring them with you. And why is it that people assume, are y'all listening? Why is it that people assume that coming to church is not family time? Coming to, and perhaps one person will agree, coming to church is the best family time you could ever spend. It's the best family time you could ever spend. Coming to church, hey, how about this husband, husband, husband? How about this? What about you bring your family to church? I think it's sad and criminal. I meet people here all the time. And, hey, how you doing? Great. Uh, yeah, my first time here. Oh, well, great. Well, welcome. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're looking for a church. I don't see a man standing there. We're looking for a church. Oh, well, where's your husband? Oh, he's at home. He sent me out to find a church. I'm like, that's cr- You should be arrested. <laughs> and how many men do that? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, fellas, because some of y'all did it. You were, your wife was coming first, then you came, but I'm not going to ask you to stand. But how many times is it the wife goes out to find the church and then the husband comes? Listen, you are the head of the house and it is not fair. Husbands, I'm talking to you. It is not fair for you to pull the I'm the head of the house husband card when it works in your favor to do something you want to do. All right. Go ahead, ladies. Clap your hands. I'm, I'm working with you. I'm working with you. You pull that card when it's in your favor, but how about being the head of the home and take your family to church? How about being the head of the home and you be the one to get up first thing in the morning and you be the one to say, you guys get out the bed, let's go to church. Your wife should not. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands because that's true. I, I don't know if you agree or not, but it's still true. Don't make excuses. You be the one to do that. You know, it makes me think of this story. I heard this story about this guy, listen, who got up on Sunday morning, and he and his wife, they were used to getting up on Sunday morning, going to church. But this Sunday, his wife was up and ready to go to church, but he was not ready. So she said, honey, get ready, let's go. He said, no, I don't want to go to church today. She said, why? He said, well, the people aren't warm and friendly there. And secondly, I can tell the people don't like me. And thirdly, I just don't want to go. And he said, can you give me reason why I should go? And she says, yes, number one, the people are very friendly. Number two, there are a few people there who like you. And number three, you're the pastor. You have to go. (laughs) You have to go. Look at verse 21. Notice the servant comes back and he gave a report to the master. And the master was angry and said, go quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame and the blind. And the servant said, I did that. It's done. And there's still room. Did you get this? This is interesting. The main, the lame, the blind are the ones who had a legitimate reason not to come to church. And yet they are the ones who come. They're the ones who had a legitimate reason not to come to the dinner. The poor, 
Well, they could have said, you know, I don't have anything to wear. And, you know, ladies would have said, you know, I don't have the dress. You know, I got a dress, but I don't, I don't have the shoes. And y'all ladies know how y'all are. You got the dress. You got to have the shoes. And if you got the dress and the shoes, but you don't have a purse. And then, then y'all ladies, y'all driving us crazy, breaking us, bank, breaking us. So you got to have everything. And the poor could have said, you know what? I don't have the right stuff. I won't fit in. The lame and the maim, they, they, they had to arrange someone to carry them. The blind, they had to have someone lead them to dinner. So everybody has been invited and the servant says there's still room. And he tells the servant to go out and compel them to come in. Did you get that? It was the main, the lame, and the blind who accepted the invitation. You know what? That is a picture of the whole church. The whole church is made up of these kind of people. The main, the lame, the blind, and the poor. And isn't it interesting that the master invited everyone with class, but they were too busy. So he got us. Amen. Did you hear me? Because, and the reason he got us is because the poor, we're poor. Poor in spirit. We know we're poor. We know we are lame and man. We have nothing to offer God. We know that we are blind to the truth and we need the word of God to open our eyes to the truth. And that's why we come to church. And that's why we worship because we know we need it. And that's why we come. Where the, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's okay. And people say, you know, the lame, the maimed, the blind, the poor, it's like all the weirdos came to the dinner. And people go, oh, I don't want to go to church because all the weirdos go to church and all the, all the hypocrites go to church and all the weirdos go to church. Uh, duh. Yeah, I know. I'm a weirdo for Jesus. I know that. You're telling me nothing I don't know. All the weirdos go to church, but that's a good thing. All the weirdos accept the invitation. And that's a good thing. You know, it makes me think of David, who was on the run from Saul in the city of Gath, and he just killed one of their mighty warriors, Goliath. And 1 Samuel 21 tells us that David formed an army of 400 men who were distressed, in debt, and discontent. And therein is another picture of the church. The church is made up of distressed, discontent, and in-debt folk. Anybody want to raise a hand? Y'all know some of y'all in debt, huh? In dead folk. Look at verse 22. The servant said to the master, it is done. There's still room. And listen, if you have not heard anything that I have said, please hear me now. Notice the servant said to the master, there's still room. Listen, it doesn't matter what you have done. There's still room. It doesn't matter what you have been through you're invited. There's still room. There's always room. I don't care what you've done. Just two weeks ago, I was talking to a guy who was a professional thief who robbed homes up and down the East Coast. I was talking to him out on the West Coast, actually. He is now a worship leader in a Calvary Chapel. I'm not going to tell you which one. But he's still invited because it does not matter, listen, where you have been. It only matters where you are right now. 
It doesn't matter, listen, that you, that you committed this sin or that sin. Listen, you're talking to somebody that knows. I'm a witness. I know. At nine years old, y'all know my story for those of you know. At nine years old, I started doing drugs. I went through junior high and high school on drugs. My father was a drug dealer in Philadelphia, and I think he still is. Aged, but I think he still sells drugs. I grew up on drugs. I went through high school and junior high school, and I couldn't read. I could read, but I couldn't comprehend. I couldn't really, like, I could read something, but then if you, like, asked me to tell you what it is I read, I couldn't really tell you what I just read because my mind was on drugs. But I can tell you this, January 23rd, 1982, 27 years ago, when I got saved, God, it was like God pulled the scales off my eyes, and I could see clearly. And I, I could see God, I could see, I, I, I tell you this all the time because for me, it, it was transformed my life. I, I, I could see the dirt. I remember going to church. I got saved on a Saturday night and I went to church on Sunday morning. And I, I remember walking across a dirt parking lot to get on the bus to go to church. And I started crying as I was looking at the dirt because I never saw dirt before. I never saw green grass before. I never really saw it. And I never saw the blue sky before. And when God saved me, it was like he peeled a film from my eyes. And I could really see for the first time. And then God began to use my life. And who would have ever thunk it? 27 years later, I'm standing here preaching the gospel now to with my radio listening audience and all of the various medias, thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of people. Listen, who would have ever thought God would have taken a life like mine and change it around? God will take ashes and make something beautiful out of it. He will do that. It does not matter where you are. Calvary chapels, generally, I will tell you this. If you don't know anything about Calvary chapels, I will tell you. Most Calvary chapel pastors and Calvary chapels seem to kind of attract these kind of people. Ex-drug dealers, druggies, ex-alcoholics, thieves, robbers, and some of those kind of guys, I know them. They are pastors of churches. Calvary Chapel seems to attract those kind of people. It's almost like in Calvary, you know, if you don't have that background, we, we can't let you in ministry. It's like our ministry application. You got to have a, a little check off in the ministry application. You know, well, have you been on drugs? No. Uh, have you an alcoholic? No. Uh, have you lived a really pure and clean and sober life? Uh, yes. Uh, we total it up. You're denied from ministry. You can't. You have to have some kind of background here because God changes lives, and and it doesn't matter. God qualifies the called. He does not call the qualified. Right? I know. People ask me all the time. So what? Uh, what? Uh, what seminary did you go to? And uh, so where did you get your education? That's my professor voice. Well, so where did you get your education and where have you gone to seminary? I tell them, oh, well, I went to um, UHS. UHS? I've I've never heard. I've never heard UHS. (laughs) And I say, I've never, what is this? And I say, University of the Holy Spirit. And they go, ah. 
Wait a minute. You got me here. Because anything I know, I had a 12th grade education. Anything I know, I know it because God taught me. God taught me. Anything I know, I'm going to wait for you to clap your hands because that's great. And God, and he'll take anybody. There was still room 27 years ago, and 27 years later, there's room at the cross for you. There's room. Isn't there, isn't there a song? A song that goes, uh, there's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's room for one. There's room at the cross for you. Isn't that a great song? I love that song. I don't know. This room. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.